Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. I was chatting with Marissa Goldberg about remote work this week and she gave me several handy frameworks for founders who want to build remote first businesses. At the center of any successful remote work relationship lies trust and surprisingly many businesses have a tough time trusting anyone once they can't see them at their desks in the office. Remote work is throwing a wrench in the time-honored tradition of butt-in-seats and hands-on keyboard that so many managers consider to be the pinnacle of productivity. Remote work does away with this. And now that when we talk about remote, kind of have to consider that many workers will only ever have witnessed this pandemic-induced work-from-home disaster. Countless companies out there were forced into an arrangement that they were never really prepared for. It's not surprising then that they made all possible mistakes, often at scale, and to their employees' mental and often physical detriment as well. But pandemic remote isn't all that remote has to offer. And those of us who've worked from home before 2020 know that there is so much more. And today is a good opportunity to share a few learnings and a couple frameworks that will make your remote business better. Because remote work can really be amazing. And trust is the reason why. When I worked in an office, my day was full of interruptions. People stopped by my desk, talking about all kinds of things and often ignoring the headphones that I was wearing as a sign of not wanting to be disturbed while coding. When I then took hybrid jobs, I was amazed to find that businesses fall into two distinct groups. Those who project the in-office culture onto their remote workers and those who go remote first. The biggest difference was how these companies dealt with interruptive communication. The traditionalists, they encouraged writing direct messages and then expecting immediate responses. As if you had just walked up to the desk of the person you sent a DM to. Now people could be interrupted at scale all over the world. Great. But some businesses, and several of which I was fortunate to work for, understood the potential that remote work unlocked for them. All of their workers could prioritize their own deep work. All the company had to do was establish clear rules around how and when communication happens between workers. And here is such a rule. One that I have found working spectacularly well for my team and me. Now, you don't usually expect good management advice from YouTubers, but I recently ran into a behind-the-scenes video from a miniature painter who I follow. When he described his process of dealing with his editor and his sound person and the social media team, I was amazed at how ubiquitous remote work truly has become. Even Warhammer YouTubers have remote work best practices and talk about them. The YouTuber explained that he trained his team to only ever reach out to him if the question or issue that they have is blocking their work right there and then. Any other problem, they're supposed to put that on a list and wait to ask him until they run into that blocker. This is what efficient asynchronous communication can look like. If you 
built this process in your business, and no matter if you're just dealing with your very first freelance helper or if you have a team of 200 people working for you, you will find that respecting people's deep work starts with delaying sending them potentially interruptive messages. And this is an exercise in trusting your employees to judge if their issues are blockers or not. And while it's generally a good idea to have some kind of definition of a blocker for everyone to use, this is an area where the experience and situational awareness of the individual employee really matter. So hire people who you can expect to be able to make these choices. The queue up messages until one is a blocker approach is an extremely time-saving method of communication as the person who is then eventually asked will be distracted by the blocking question anyway, so they might as well help with the non-blocking ones. This minimizes the number of times that any worker is pulled out of their deep work zone. And talking about deep work, remote work is particularly suited for that. In fact, this might actually redefine deep work or more commonly known as flow state or being in the zone to not just be about a temporal state, but a location-based one as well. Marissa touched on this in our conversation. Some people need different places for different kinds of activities. I write best in front of my huge wall of monitors with Google and my resources right in front of me. That's what works for me. Others, they have a standalone table just for writing, devoid of all technology beyond a pen and a paper. The writing desk of old is making a comeback. Why? Well, because with home offices, we can finally design the space to fit the worker and the work, not the other way around. If I need a daybed to take power naps because my brain needs them, well, I can have that. If I want to play my guitar while I brainstorm new article ideas, it's right here next to my desk, ready to be strummed. Imagine that in a regular office, the ensuing chaos would be hilarious and probably as hilarious as it would be detrimental to the overall productivity. But the moment every worker has their own space, the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts. We build offices that uniquely suit and amplify our skills. So if you hire employees long-term, consider giving them the expressed freedom and budget to make their home office a better place for deep and uninterrupted work. And please, for the love of all that is holy to you, stop supervising the screens of your remote employees while they work. If you're not doing that right now, congratulations, you're a sane human being. However, if you are of the opinion that you need to check every five minutes if your employee is working, you might be focusing on the wrong things. And fortunately, there is a way out. When communication is asynchronous, and centered around allowing for deep work. Well, you can expect that people won't spend their full day in front of their computers. In fact, that was already a stupid idea in the office. People moving a mouse cursor across the screen and typing things so that their boss is happy. They aren't productive. They're performing. Real work, and particularly knowledge work, happens in bursts and at random times. My blog post ideas they don't occur to me every Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. when I start my blog post idea creation time slot. I find my titles and themes at random throughout the day. And when I do, I spend 10 minutes drafting an outline right there and then, whenever it happens. Sometimes in the bathtub, sometimes in the car, and occasionally during a family gathering after a particularly riveting conversation. So, 
you have to trust that the people you hire to do their job will end up producing the results that you both agreed upon. And that's really what matters here. The result, not how long they spent in front of their laptops. If you expect a fully edited video by Friday, well, you check on Friday. Don't check in 20 times during the week. That will actually delay what you want to be done. And it's obviously fine to micromanage a little bit more during onboarding of a new hire, just to be clear about this, but people are quite capable of structuring their own time pretty quickly. So this doesn't need to last long. Because after all, what are they gonna do? Hide the fact that they didn't do the work? Well, either there is a finished video on Friday or not. Either they fulfill their agreement or you find someone else. Results matter. And how your workers get there is up to them. So instead of forcing remote workers to clock in and be present, just establish clear deliverables, realistic deadlines for them to deliver them, and regularly check-ins afterwards to make sure you both get what you need. It's all about the process we establish here. That is company culture for a remote team. Instead of being forced into small talk and having lunch with their coworkers, employees will identify much more with what the company is trying to accomplish and how well employees are treated to get to that goal. Culture is about process and the mission now, not uniforms and who gets the corner office. Those days are over. Remote work is here to stay. We might just as well build our businesses in a way that facilitates this and allows for a productive and empowering relationship between employer and employee. The future of remote work is built on mutual trust. And as an employer, you wanna know that your workers love doing what they do and are capable of designing their day and their spaces to get things done. Now, as an employee, you want to trust that your boss won't feel the need to spy on your screen and allows you ample opportunity to work in accordance with your own unique personal, physical, and social needs. Personally, I love this. As a creator working with other creators, I know that the people who work with and for me have high ambitions and are extremely skilled. I don't need to supervise them. I give them clear and aspirational instructions, and they tend to surprise me with amazing work beyond what I asked for almost every time. That is the power of trust in remote work. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Bootstrap Founder. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You'll find my books and my Twitter course there as well. If you want to support me and the show, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, get the podcast in your podcast player of choice, and leave a rating and the review by going to ratethispodcast.com founder. Any of this will help the show. So thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.